But this morning, I want to talk about a little different subject that I was planning to talk about in the new year. Uh, hard to believe that Christmas is only five weeks away. Isn't that exciting? My favorite time of the year. Five weeks from today, it is Christmas. Hard to believe there's no snow on the ground right now. And then a week later, in only six weeks, is 2017. That's hard to believe. Well, you know, a lot of times we look together for the new year. We kind of wait till January 1st before we think about the new year or new things God wants to do in our life. And then we, we kind of get started. It's probably mid-February by the time we really get going. Well, I thought we'd do something a little bit different this year, and that is for the next couple of weeks. I want to talk on this subject of margin, making room in your life for what really matters. I want to talk about some things that I believe the Holy Spirit would lead us to be doing or making room for even over these next several weeks before we hit January 1st so we can hit the new year running. But not only that, maybe we can move through the Christmas season as well. Rather than getting swallowed up in what can be the chaos of Christmas, we can move through the Christmas season very deliberately because of areas the Lord is showing us where we need to make room for Him. We need to make some space for him. You ever feel like in life sometimes you kind of just, you know, kind of feel like Samson. I just, I just kind of need to push some things back out. I'm just getting squeezed in or I'm getting suffocated by so many things. Now, you may already be aware of some things that you, or adjustments you need to make, make in your life. After last night, if you're a Maple Leaf fan, you may need a new team, a new hockey team to cheer for in the new year. But uh, in any case, there may be some things uh, maybe you need to get in shape, maybe you need to eat better, maybe you need to spend more time with your kids, maybe you want to be used by God in greater ways. Success in your life and mine, in our spiritual life, is going to be determined by this word, this word margin. Now, it's very likely that all of us have probably helped somebody move, or we have moved ourselves. John and Priscilla, they have a new home. It's awesome. Brand new home. If you see on Facebook, and uh, he, had, he had, I think he had his uh, lazy boy in the front room, and that was it. Everything else was bare. He had his lazy boy, and I said, Johnny, as long as you got your man cave set up, you're good to go. But they have a new home, so they probably can relate to this. But if you have either helped somebody move or you have moved yourself, you can probably relate to this next picture. And you've probably wondered, what are we going to do with all of these boxes? Now, what's the problem with the garage being full of boxes? That's not what a garage is for, right? A garage is supposed to be for your car, a very important thing. And in the same way, in your life and mine, our lives are supposed to be for the presence of God. Our lives are intended to be the dwelling place of God where we have an intimate relationship with Him and we see Him do some wonderful things in our lives. But a lot of times, over the course of time, what happens? A lot of other things begin to crowd into our life. And as they crowd in, they actually push out of our life the better things that God intends for us. Now, our story this morning is in Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, we have the story of two sisters. We know the story very well. If you've been in church circles at all very long, it's a story of Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha are two sisters who both are friends of Jesus, and they both have access to Jesus. But here's an important difference. They view life differently. They make different decisions, and there are different outcomes because of those decisions. Martha is completely stressed out, okay? A bit of a backdrop. Mary, on the other hand, she makes a simple decision that changes everything, and it is this. Mary is not going to fit Jesus into her life. Mary is going to make Jesus the focus of her life. 
and in doing so, discover what matters most. Over the next couple of weeks, we've been focused on this for some time now, but over the next couple of weeks, I want us to really give serious consideration what would be different about my life, what would be different about the ministry that would flow through my life, the things that I would experience in God, the Word of God coming alive to me and through me, what would change in my life if instead of just fitting Jesus into my life, He truly was the focus of my life. He truly was everything about my life that matters most. So we're going to pick up here on verse 38. We read here. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet. Doing what? Listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, and this is the word for all of us, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over what? All these details. But there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. I think all of us this morning can relate to Martha. For me personally, looking over this back, over back this year, I can just see many times where I just needed some margin and just needed to create that space. I can look back over the year for times when I felt overwhelmed. I felt like there was just too much activity going on or there were just too many demands on me, whatever the case may be, and it just seemed like things were kind of crowding in and there wasn't that much space. Anybody relate? I mean, maybe you feel that way this week. It just seems over the year that things got added on and you got all this busyness or all this, all this stress. Now, most of us know what it's like to be a Martha, and yet we know we need to be a Mary. And in order to be like a Mary, we need margin, again, so that Jesus isn't just fitting into our life, but he actually is our life. Look at some of the words that actually describe Martha. She's described in the Scripture as distracted, as worried and as upset. She is just being pulled in so many different directions at once, worried about many things. But here's the key. Because she's focused on so many things, she's actually missing the one thing that makes the difference. In fact, Martha is so distracted, she is so unfocused, get this, she actually tells Jesus what she thinks he should be doing. Let that sink in. She's so unfocused that she's actually telling Jesus what he should be doing. Now, I know none of us can relate to that, but how many have kind of lived life in such a way that it says, Jesus, I don't have time to hear what you have to say to me right now, but here's what I need you to do. You ever do that? We do it all the time. Lord, I don't have time to spend with you. I don't have time for this attitude correction or this heart correction. But if you would just change my spouse, things would go a lot better. Lord, I don't have time to deal with it right now, but if you would just do that, that would take care of it. Uh, Lord, I don't have time to kind of slow down and reassess what's important in life. 
I just need you to make my family understand how hard I work for them and how many hours I put in so I can provide for them. If they would just kind of get off my case and appreciate more what I do, that would really help. But I don't have time to kind of reevaluate and realign my life. Or here's one of my favorites. Lord, I don't have time to eat right and exercise. But if you would just bless this Big Mac and large fry and Diet Coke, I would really appreciate that. How do we get there? How do we get to that place where we say, Jesus, I don't have time for you. I don't have time to hear what it is you want to teach me, what I need to change. I don't have time for that. I've just got enough time to let you know, here's what I need you to do. That was Martha. That's that picture. Again, we can bring that up. This picture of the garage is, is Martha's life. So distracted that she doesn't have room to sit at Jesus' feet. She just has enough time to tell him what he ought to be doing. She doesn't have any time for anything new, anything fresh. Here are a few boxes, to use this analogy, that I think we can relate to, that I think we're in Martha's garage, and they're in our garage sometimes, that we need to get rid of. The first one is simply what I would call clutter. Clutter. The Bible says that Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. Now, underline the words, big dinner, because it just seems like Martha had it in her mind that she was going to do something big. Her friend Jesus is here, so I'm just going to make this big scoff. Nobody asked her to. Jesus decided, this is what I'm going to do, and I know what needs to be done, and I'm going to throw myself into this. I believe clutter happens in our life when we're trying to do too many things at once. Now, the important thing of that is this. It's not that you can't do a whole lot of things at once. If you're a real good scheduler, you can schedule all those things in your life accordingly. But here's the problem. You can't do all that stuff and do what's most important at the same time. We can schedule a lot of stuff in our lives. We can be busy with our lives. We can preoccupy ourselves with a lot of things that we think are important, but we can't do that and do what's most important. And I think we've all been there. And yet we have to admit that we have limits. But you see, the, the evil is not in the limits. It's in us not recognizing that we have limits. There's nothing wrong with having limits. The problem is we don't recognize there are limits. And if we don't recognize that there are limits in our life, we allow our lives to be filled with clutter and we miss out on what matters most. In fact, let me suggest this. There are times when we know what matters most, but in order to not give ourselves to it, we intentionally fill our time and space with other things. How many have ever tried this? I really should spend some time with the Lord. And as soon as you carve out some time and bow your knee, immediately there floods into your mind a dozen other things you could do. And a dozen other things that you should do. Is that just me or does the devil pick on you too? Does that happen? Oh, I'm bored. I can't think of anything I should do. Maybe I'll just open my Bible and have some time with the Lord. You open your Bible, all of a sudden, whoosh. Here's all the things you can be doing instead. So we can choose not to do the most important thing. And actually by doing that, we can fill our day, our hours, our life with clutter. A second box that Martha needed to get rid of, that we need to get rid of as well, I would call it comparing. 
Luke says that Martha was distracted by the big meal that she was preparing. Now, this meal, it seems, was Martha's idea. Not altogether a bad thing, but I think what Martha did was this. When Jesus came to her home, she allowed tradition to take over, and she began doing the things she felt tradition expected, and she was doing it all on her own. And here's the difference. When we talk about comparing, when we replace relationship with Jesus with other things, it's not long before we begin to throw ourselves into all the things we assume as Christians we're supposed to be doing. And so we can fill our lives and fill our time with doing things that we assume Christians should be doing, but these become the very things that, that make us abandon our time with the Lord. You understand what I'm talking about? We actually replace our time with the Lord with the things that we assume we should be doing if we're good Christian people. And so what happens is, is our activity replaces the act of abiding in the presence of the Lord. And the next step happens is this. We start to compare. You see, if I don't spend time with Jesus, here's what happens to me. If I don't spend time with Jesus, I begin to get my eyes off of who he says I am of my value in him, my worth in him. If I don't spend time with him, I begin to start looking at things I guess I should be doing as a Christian, as a pastor, whatever hat I'm wearing. And then, instead of finding my security and my joy and my affirmation in Jesus and spending time with him, knowing how he loves me, knowing my identity in him, I begin to compare myself with others. You ever do that? I begin to compare myself with other Christians. I begin to compare myself with their successes or with their failures or things that I think I'm doing better or I'm not doing as well. Friends, we're all guilty of that more than we realize. When I take my eyes off of Jesus and the time that he calls me to spend with him to understand who I really am and what he wants me to do, and it might even be little things, but it brings such a sense of value and worth because I know I'm obedient to him and I know he's flowing through me and I see the fruit of that. When I get my eyes off of that, then what happens is I just begin to live like any other good traditional religious Christian person and I gauge my worth, I gauge even my fulfillment by what other people are doing. The problem with comparison is comparison is a thief that will rob you of joy. You might be busy, but you won't be joyful. You might be doing stuff for the Lord in church, in ministry, volunteering, whatever, but there's no joy. And the other thing about comparison is it actually makes you a thief. It makes you a thug. And you actually begin to judge others by what they're doing or not doing or what you're doing more, and you begin to miss out on the blessing of actually blessing them, and you fall into that comparison trap. You see, we live in this culture of measuring sticks and scales. Ladies, I've got some great news for you. Scales always lie. It's true. Scales always lie. You know why? When you step on a scale, there is no scale in the world that will ever tell you your value. There is no scale that will ever tell you your importance, your beauty in the eyes of Christ. Men, same thing. There's no scale that will do that. And the same thing with measuring sticks. You see, measuring sticks, what do they do? They, they tell you how big something is or how small something is as if that's the measure of success or of significance. It's not. You see, you can't measure the size of a soul. 
You can't place the value that God places on a soul. And, and so we have all these measures in our culture that we use, and we follow those measures, and we begin to compare ourselves with others when we don't lock in with Jesus and who he says we are. That value system of our culture, of our people rather, defies measuring. Listen to what David said in Psalm 139. He said, thank you, Lord, for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. I ask you this seriously. When was the last time you ever stepped in front of the mirror and you said, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for making me so incredibly complex, for making me a creature that can know you and love you and worship you. We all know this bumper sticker I've mentioned before, but I, I, read, I saw it many years ago in a car, and it said this, Jesus is coming soon. Look busy. And that about says it. I mean, that's Martha. That's us so many times. Jesus comes to us, but we would rather work than just worship. He comes to us, and for some reason, we seem to prefer stress over solitude. And that's why the Lord said this. This is a powerful verse from Isaiah. He said, only in returning to me and resting in me will you be safe. Will you be strong and secure? Read this last line. In quietness and confidence is your strength. That's where you find your strength. It's in quietness, not in comparison, that you begin to see the you that God has designed. It's in quietness and in worship in the presence of the Lord that you begin to realize that when Jesus made you, get this, when Jesus made you, he did not make you according to some societal mold that he wanted you to measure up to. Do you realize that? When Jesus made you, he could have cared a rip about what society thinks. He could care less about what your culture thinks. When Jesus made you, he made you with the same brilliance and the same creativity with which he has made every single person on the planet. He doesn't care what society thinks about you. You don't have to compare yourself to anybody. You just compare yourself to Jesus because when you compare yourself to Jesus, though you see yourself as far short, you receive a grace to realize that's who I can be and that's who I want to please. And the Lord frees us from so much and frees us to minister in such beautiful ways. But you need to spend time with Jesus to see that. If not, you're going to make life so hard on yourself. You're always going to be comparing yourself with other people rather than believing what God has made you to be. In fact, you'll look at yourself as a mistake. And I don't know how many Christians do that. You know, God just, I don't know, when he made me, he just didn't do a good job. But in quietness and confidence, you will find your strength. And thirdly, criticizing. A third box. Martha just wasn't just worried about what she was doing. She was worried about what Mary was doing. In fact, she's so distracted. Get this. She actually criticizes to Jesus that, Mar that Mary is spending time with Jesus. Can you imagine? Martha is flustered, spending no time, no, not giving thought to Jesus. She's just upset because Mary is spending time with the Lord. So I could understand if she had maybe complained to one of the guests. I can't believe my sister is sitting over there by Jesus. But to go to Jesus 
and say, Jesus, would you please tell her to stop worshiping you? I need her. Would you please tell her to stop working for you, stop spending time with you, because I really need her being distracted like me. I really need her to be doing all the stuff that I'm doing rather than what she's doing. And Martha completely missed it. And I think one of the sure signs that we have too much clutter in our life, one of the sure signs that we fall into comparison and we fall into criticism is that we find ourselves finding fault with people who are simply trying to listen to Jesus. Criticism is focusing on what others are doing rather than on what Jesus wants to do in you. That's so huge. In the Bible, we've been looking at this scripture a number of times, and in fact, we have a, we've had a number of testimonies, and we, we almost, I'd say almost every week, it seems, for these last few months, we just have testimonies of the people of God who were choosing to step out of their comfort zone, and as weird as it sounds, God actually uses them. I, I know it's weird. It's crazy, isn't it? Who would have thought that you could actually do what Jesus said to do, and he would bless it? I, I, it's radical. But... We know the scripture very well. You can bring it up from Mark chapter 16 where Jesus said that these signs, they will follow those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will break the power of darkness. I'll use them to break the power of darkness in people's lives. They will speak in new tongues. They will lay hands upon those who are sick. And you know what? They'll get well. Those who believe who go out and do those things, this is what will follow. Back in September, we had... Uh, uh, some special meetings with Brother Torben, and uh, it's been just some wonderful to see the fruit of that. But, but I, I thought it was interesting back when we were still in the planning stages as the conference was nearing, I actually had some friends call, some pastors call, and they said, they said, Paul, you know, I've gone online and I've watched this Torben guy, and uh, I don't think you should have this guy in. I mean, I just don't agree with some of the ways he conducts his ministry. And, and in all kindness, I would just say to my friends, I would say, well, hey, I really appreciate your concern, but let me, let, let me ask you, um, what are you doing to drive out demons? What are you doing to see people filled with the Holy Spirit? What are you doing to see sick people healed? And I wasn't being facetious, but just trying to make a point because the answer would come back, well, we're not really doing anything. And I'd say, okay, well, I, I kind of like the way my brother's doing it to the way that you're not doing it. Does that make sense? You see, when our life becomes filled with clutter, when we get away from just simply a relationship with Jesus Christ, making margin, making room for Him so that He's able to come into my life because I am made to be the dwelling place of God. Everything else is clutter. Everything else is a distraction. Everything else fosters worry and unbelief. That, that's what it does. That's what the enemy fills our lives for. But when I make room for Jesus, I get rid of the clutter. You know what happens? The complaining stops and the comparing stops. And the criticism stops because I just realize who Jesus has made me to be and what he can do through my life. So it's not to be unkind, but we need to understand that it's so much easier to criticize and give our opinion in order to justify our own apathy and unbelief than it is to simply come to Jesus and say, Lord, what would you have me do? Uh, you know, I, I may think differently, I may believe different than some of my brothers and sisters, but at least they're out there doing what they believe he wants them to do. Lord, what do you want me to do? Because we're so skilled at seeing other people and what they're doing wrong and what they need to change, but I just find a spiritual suicide. Because we make no room for what Jesus wants to say to me. That's the result of this cluttered life. Mary, Martha, rather, is looking at Mary and rather than looking at herself, and her view of Mary is so completely skewed because she's so distracted and she's so unfocused. 
The Lord wants to bring clarity to our spiritual eyes that comes from making him our focus, making him our priority. And so I want to ask the question this morning, what would change in our lives today and in the coming new year if we got our eyes off of other people and we simply asked Jesus, what do you want from me? What do you want to do in me? What do you want to teach me? What do you want to show me? How do you want to grow me? Uh, at the last, the last chapter of the Gospel of John, I believe it is, where, where Jesus is resurrected. He's talking to his disciples again, and Jesus uh, talks to uh, Peter, and he says, Peter, this is what's going to happen to you. You know, one day your hand's going to be bound. You're going to be in prison for me. You're going you're gonna to die for your faith. And, the, and Peter says, okay, Lord. But then he, he looks at another disciple, whom we assume is John, by the way it's written, and, and he says, but Jesus, what about John? And what does Jesus say? Don't worry about John. Peter, you follow me. You follow me. And friends, we miss out on so much because, again, rather than carving out the time and space in our life for an intimate relationship with Jesus, where he walks with us and he talks to us, what do we do? We allow him to be replaced by the clutter, and with the clutter then we, we begin to compare ourselves, our relative goodness or badness, whatever the case may be, and then over time we even begin to kind of criticize because, well, the church should be doing that, or this person should, or, or I'm not good enough, whatever the case may be. All that stuff could be swept clean if we would just say, Jesus, this garage is for you. My heart is for you. You're the priority. You are the focus. Listen to what Apostle Paul said. He said, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, speaking of perfection. He says, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Friends, that's my prayer for today for the Christmas season, for the new year, my prayer is we'll decide to live a focused life. And friends, one of the things you and I have got to do if we're going to live a focused life, as Paul says, we've got to start forgetting the things from our past. Oh, if that would, if that would just sink in, how free the people of God would be. If we could just truly understand that he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. If we could truly understand that old things have passed away, all has become new. If we could truly understand that if any man will confess his sins, any woman, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Friends, if we're going to focus on Jesus, we've got to believe Jesus and let go of the past. We've got to let go of past sins. We've got to let go of the shortcomings. And then we have to look ahead and press into what Jesus has put before us. Paul says there is one thing that is the most important thing, and I will focus on that one thing. The problem is, we live in a culture today that says, you don't need one thing, you need a hundred things. There was a time for those who ate salad. There was a time when we had blue cheese, French, Italian, and blue cheese was kind of out there. I'm told today there are 177 flavors of salad dressing. Can you imagine you grow fat just thinking about that? 177. There are 1.6 million apps that you can download for your phone that you can choose from. I can go on and on with those kind of lists, but the reality is we are just bombarded with choices, and what our culture is saying is don't commit to one thing. You've got to leave your options open, and friends, we buy into that. You don't have to raise your hands. Well, maybe raise your hand if you're really honest, because I'll feel real guilty if it's just me. But how many have honestly thought, if I really give my life wholly to Jesus, 
I'm going to miss out on something. Honestly, you know, you're, you're already transcendent. You're like a foot in heaven if you haven't thought that way sometimes. Because that's what happens. Whenever Jesus says, if you'll just let go, if you'll just give me everything, you'll have more than you can imagine, our mind begins to race. What will I miss out on? What about this? What if I want to do that? What do I want to do that? You know, it's kind of like, maybe I shouldn't say this, but kind of like young couples when they're dating, you know. We want to get married before Jesus comes. Because we're going to miss out on so much if Jesus comes before we're married. I think heaven's probably a little bit better than anything marriage can offer, but marriage is still wonderful. But all those choices make it real difficult to not be a Martha today. So I want to close this morning just by taking a little quick personal inventory on how we can make room for what matters most. But before I do, let me ask you this. How many of us are kind of tired of making New Year's resolutions? Anybody? Yeah. I think it's mostly women that do that. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. We get kind of tired of that, eh? Because when it comes to New Year's resolution, we just get this sense of, okay, you know, here's something I don't want to do that I got to start doing, you know, so my New Year's resolution, and, and it's usually over by, by February. But let me just give you four signs, four signs of what we need to be doing. The first one is simply a minus sign. What if your best year ever was not because of something you added to your plate to make life more hectic, but because of something you took off your plate? Just something God is speaking to you about that says, look, just, just stop doing this. I want to free up some space in your life. I just, want, I just want you to take this away. Maybe one of the things we talked about, it may be clutter, comparing, criticism, whatever. Uh, for some of us, that's subtraction. It may be a certain sin that the Lord just wants, to, just wants to deal with. Can I tell you something that's really amazing? If you will actually just focus on Jesus, and it doesn't mean that you have to come before the Lord and beat yourself and lament and weep. You can do that, that if there's a truly repentant heart. But I have found if you will just focus on making time for Jesus and making him a priority in your life, it is amazing how you fo when you focus on him, things just drop off. You ever discovered that? I mean, there were seasons where I just made that such a priority, and it might be a month later when all of a sudden, Lord, I just noticed that's not an issue in my life anymore. That attitude is not there anymore. Whatever the case may be, it's not necessarily something you're preoccupied with, but you focus on the Lord and things just seem to drop away. For others, you may need to stop doing some good things in order that you can begin to lay hold of the best things God has for you. There are a lot of good things that we can fill our lives with, but they're not what God is calling us to, and they rob us of the best. So there's some things we need to subtract or get off our plate. And secondly, once you've made some room for your life, then you can begin to add what really matters. Now, please don't just add what God has for you without removing what shouldn't be there. If you do that, your life will look like this next picture. That's a lot of us. Okay, Lord, I know the car has to go in the garage. We'll make it fit. We'll get it in there. Lord, I'll make, you know, I'll make some time for you, but I've still got all this other clutter. You see, if you will start by letting the Lord subtract from your plate what you know shouldn't be there, you'll be amazed how the room begins to be created. For some of us this new year, and why wait till the new year? Why not even start right now? But for some of us, friends, probably for most of us, we just need to add the Word of God to our life. If you would just add God's Word to your life, you would be amazed the clarity and faith, the newness God brings to your life by the Holy Spirit. In fact, as we talk about these things over the next three weeks, these next 21 days, it's been said that it takes 21 days for a new habit to be formed in your life. 21 days, and you should be able to nail that down. 
If you don't read your Bible, can I encourage you, take the Gospel of John. There are 21 chapters in the Gospel of John. Read a chapter a day, and I guarantee you those five or six minutes a day can begin to change your life. What do you need to add after first you have removed the things God shows you to remove? And then finally, there may be some things, as we see the less sign on the next slide, there may be some things you don't need to stop doing altogether. You just need to do them less. I don't need to check my iPhone every time an alert goes off. Right? I don't need to check every Facebook post every day. I don't need to watch every game of my favorite sports team. I don't need to watch every newscast, especially of the U.S. elections. I don't need to watch all that stuff. It can be discouraging. But there are things I can do less so that I can do what matters most. And as we walk through some of these things over these next few weeks, some of you are going to discover that what you need in your life very simply is more of Jesus. We're going to talk about that. For some of you, you need to get more connected with the people of God, either involved in a life group or involved in some opportunities to minister with God's people, whatever it may be, but there's some things you need to do more in your life in order to see what the Lord has for you begin to flow through your life. My prayer this next few weeks is that all of us will discover that we can do more of what really matters when we make room for the Lord. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking... But you know what, Pastor, I've got a lot on the go, and Jesus is important to me, but I've, I've kind of managed to, to schedule it all. I've kind of managed to organize it all so that Jesus is in my life. It might be kind of a tight fit, but he's in my life. But my life is kind of, you know, it's, it, as long as nothing moves, it's okay. As long as nothing goes wrong, it's okay. And, and it kind of looks like this next picture. And that seems to be okay. But what I want us to see in these next couple of weeks is that when Jesus really has his way, he will begin to change everything about your garage. He will begin to change everything you thought a garage was for. And your garage will look like this next picture. You see, Jesus wants us to understand he doesn't want to just fit in our lives. No matter how neat and tidy your life may be, it's not about Him just fitting in. It really is about Jesus having your life. It's about Jesus being the focus of your life. It's about nothing getting into your garage without His permission. And the only things that you add in there are the things that actually add to your faith that actually remind you that you are a son or daughter of God. You are a person in whom the Spirit of God lives. You are one of the manifest children of God walking in a world of darkness, and there are things He wants you to understand about who you are, lives He wants you to touch, things He wants to do in and through you because of who you are. But we need to understand it's not enough to fit Him in. He's got to be the focus the focus, and life will begin to change in some amazing ways, and God will do some things through you that you never thought possible because you've chosen to make room for what really matters. I'm going to ask Pastor Kristen to join me at this time, and as he does, would you read these words of Jesus with me from Matthew chapter 11? Will you say this nice and loud? Come to me, all of you who are weary 
and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. I wonder how different our lives would be, not just in 2017. How different could our lives be over these next five or six weeks if we will make the determination, Lord, I want you to be the focus of my life. I want you to be my passion. I want you to be who I think of when I get up in the morning and I look forward to spending time with you. I want to be the person who responds when you say, hey, just come away for a while. The clutter's trying to get into your heart. Come away. Let's get refocused. Let's get some clarity. Let's get some purpose. I, I want to be the kind of person where the Lord lays ministry upon my heart and my flesh says, oh, I don't know if I can do that. But my spirit rises up and says, yes, but God can. God can do that. God can minister through me. God can speak through me. God can minister healing or deliverance through me. Can see someone come to Christ through me because I realize that my life's about Jesus. Not just fitting him in, but he is my life. I know it's a, a radical concept to really get our minds around, but my prayer is, Lord, just continue to shake free those things that just clutter our lives. Continue to deliver your people from the comparison trap, from the criticism trap, and let us be a people who say, Lord, help me to remove what you would say, get off my plate what you would say, so I can get onto my plate, so you can fit into my life the way that you want, and Lord, I can really begin to see the evidence of that abundant life that you promised me. Would you bow your heads this morning? There's an old hymn that I think many of us know. It's just a simple refrain, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. I just want to ask us this morning as we just sing this song softly, would you respond to the stirring of the Holy Spirit in your heart and just say, Lord, I come to you this morning. In the midst of the clutter, in the midst of all the stuff, Lord, I come to you, to you. Just quiet your heart for a few moments this morning. If you don't know the words, just listen to them. It's a beautiful song of invitation. But friends, in the midst of all the clutter and potential chaos of life, and even all the things that we fill our lives with, because sometimes we intentionally silence the voice of God because our flesh wins over our spirit, and we rather do other stuff than be with the Lord. In the midst of all that clutter and all that emptiness, that we just allow our spirit to begin to call out to the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, I come. I come to you. I come to you. Would you just listen to these words? I'm going to ask Pastor Christian just to lead us in this song and as he does would you just make that your prayers we sing it through a couple of times and allow the Holy Spirit just to woo you and draw you so that Jesus is actually the focus of your heart afresh this morning bless you